Hello and welcome to the Grove Church Podcast. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and we are so glad that you're joining us. Whether you are a member and you're just catching up on a sermon that you missed or you're someone who's brand new, we are really glad that you are joining us. And if you are new in some way, and I know that a lot of people will do that, will listen to sermons first before they visit, I want you to know that we would love to meet you at any point. You can join us live in our services on Sunday, 9 and 1030, or our streaming service at 1030. Either way, we would love to be able to get to know you. And regardless of why you are here uh, listening to this sermon today, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, good morning. If you are new, I'm Charlie Lofton. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here and really glad that all of you are worshiping with us today. So glad about that. You're catching us at the very end of a three-week kind of little short series we're doing as we're just kind of spending some time reminding one another about what it is that God has called us to. So you're catching the end of that. So whether you're joining us online or you're here in person, either way, we are really, really glad you're here. And this has kind of been a weird calendar year for me. And if you ask me in the right time at the right way, man, not just, hey, man, how you doing? Like in a really short, quick way, but like, hey, man, how are you doing? You catch me at the right time, I might, I might cry. Like I'm just, I feel like I'm just kind of on the verge of a little bit of tears like all the time. And if you don't know, I've got three daughters. My wife and I, we've been married um, a little bit over 29 years. And we have three daughters, 25 22 and 11. Our 25-year-old, she just graduated in the spring with a master's degree in counseling and started started her job just this week. Our 22-year-old graduated from the U of A and moved to Kansas City, and she's got a job there. And it, it's, it's kind of been a real uh, emotional time. I mean, you can get me to make jokes about it. You just ask me about my car insurance premium. I'm more than happy to tell you the, the joys of my car insurance premium and all sorts of things like that. Um, like way more than half. It's, I mean, like it's just, just gone. Whoop. And I'm like, I got the bill. I'm like, what is this? This is it. This is it. It was, it was, it was great. It was great. But more than that, I miss them. You know, I miss having them around, but I, I, I tell myself and it's not like I'm, I, I'm, I'm not the wrong kind of sad about it. I mean, cause like I've, I say this to people all the time and I said this to my wife. I say it to myself, it's a catch and release program, isn't it? Right. I mean, it's like, we, we, we didn't get them to keep them, right? We, this is what it's supposed to, to be, and they're, and they're doing really well, and I'm really, I'm, really, I'm really proud of them. But there's been a lot of just kind of challenging conversations over the last several months as we're trying to help, help them figure out kind of okay, what, it, what is it that we're doing here and talking to them. You know, it, it's always, it was really stressful with both of them when they get their kind of their their HR benefits package, and they're supposed to fill out all these forms. I'm like, what is this? What am I supposed to do? And filling out all these things, talking and working on making a budget together and how all of this works. And it's, it's, it's real nerve-wracking. And I don't know, depending on how old you are, you may be living this or you may be about to live it where you're just like, at a certain age, you know, your teenage years, you think, I know exactly what I'm doing, and my parents are idiots, and what's wrong with all of them? If I just got the opportunity to be out on my own, I could show the world. And it's like, great, now it's your turn. And just a lot of fear and anxiety. We didn't didn't realize, you know, you you begin then to realize how much of their life has just kind of been protected and guarded. And there's something about just kind of, well, well, now you're on your own. And I bring all this up 
because I've been thinking about uh, the, the disciples, and they, you know, f- for them, right, the, the 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 original followers of Jesus. When we say that they were following Jesus, it is in fact the um, the simplest, uh, most literal thing that you can imagine. When they followed Jesus, it was like this: Jesus is here, and they were here, and it's like well, I'm, Jesus, is like I'm going to go over here. And they're not wondering, hmm, what should we do? Like, hey, we follow Jesus. And then they're right there with him. I wonder what Jesus wants us to do. Oh, we could just ask, or he'll tell you. And if you don't understand something that he says, you'd be like, what does that mean? And then, and then he'll tell you. It's, it's, it may not be easy, but it's, but it's simple. And where we're at, this passage that we're going to look at today at the end, it's the very end of Matthew. It's in Matthew chapter 28. It is about Jesus trying to explain to them, you have been with me this whole time, and now I'm about to be gone, and here is what it looks like for you to be on your own. Now, in this series we talked about, we talked about loving God, loving people, and it came from this passage in Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment in all of the Scripture? And Jesus said, I'm going I'm to give you two answers to that because the, they're, they're, both so, they're both so good and they go together. The first thing, love God with everything that you are. And the second is just right behind it, love other people the way that you love yourself. Everything else depends on these two big picture ideas. And so those first two commandments, love God, love people, at its deepest level, I think what Jesus is communicating this, this is who you are supposed to be at your deepest, at, your, at, at the, this deepest level of values and who you are. You are lovers of God and lovers of people. Every aspect of your life hinges on these two things. And so it is those commands more than just kind of here's what you're supposed to do are really kind of defining traits of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Now we find ourselves here in Matthew chapter 28. And the next and, the, and this last thing that he's going to say to them is essentially, here's what you need to be doing. We spent all this time talking about who you are and what that looks like and these deep level core values of what it means to be a lover of God, and to love people well. Now, here's here's the job that you have. And again, to kind of set the stage here a little bit more, and I'm putting all this together because I want us all here to feel the weight of the context of this command. So Jesus has died on the cross and has come back to life. And whatever it is they thought of Jesus, however big a deal he thought he was, however much authority he has, when you predict your own death and resurrection, and then you come back to life and you're like, hey, I've got a few things I would like to communicate. Like, he, he, he's leveled up, right? I mean, like, oh, here's the dude that said he was going to die and come back to life. I never even heard of that. And then he did it. And he's like, hey, I have, I have some ideas about the way the world works and what you should be about. Like, yeah, yes, 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 sir, right? And so he's got them together. And essentially what has happened here, the very end of Matthew 28, he's like, I want to gather you together one last time before I'm gone for good. Choose your metaphor. A passing of the torch, passing the baton. Here's what I've been about for the last three years, and you followed me and seen me. Now I'm leaving. Here's what you need to do. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. 
Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we set the stage here, and if you look at the, the telling of this that you'll find in Acts chapter 1, you actually you read through the Gospels, you'll see about four or five different tellings of this story. And in the one in Acts, it basically says that after Jesus said this, he was, he was carried up to heaven, and that was the last that they saw of him. So he calls the 11 together, and it says they started to worship him. I'm sure, like completely, we, we thought you were a great teacher. We thought you had some level of authority. Now, now we are recognizing we're, 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 this, you, you are God. And it says that some doubted, which is just a really fascinating detail to put in there. What, it doesn't really add anything to the story except to just humanize them a little bit. And I think it gives us a little bit of something. Um, sometimes I think that we think that if I could only see Jesus and hear these things straight from his mouth, then I, would, then I could know for sure. But here are the people that are seeing it, and, and seeing it, it was, it, was over, it was overwhelming to them. And still, they felt some anxiety, some uncertainty about it, which I think can, can help us because as we think about really who Jesus is and his life, he's called, like, I'm worshiping, but sometimes I, wonder, sometimes I wonder. And so Jesus then says, kind of addressing this idea, hey, I know some of you are kind of uncertain, but hear me say this, all authority both here and in heaven. Anywhere there is authority, I have it. Now here's what I need you to do. I need you to go everywhere and make disciples. What is a disciple, you might ask? It is someone who has been baptized and is someone who has been taught to observe everything that I have commanded. But hey guys, don't worry. I'm going to be with you forever. And so the big picture job here that he has given us is to take the, the, the command here is to go and make disciples and to go and do this everywhere. And it is a job that he has given to his followers here. And then he goes, this is your job. This is what you're supposed to do. And there's a few things that if we're really going to understand kind of what Jesus is communicating and how it applies to us, there's a few things that we need to understand. And the first one is this, is that this is not a command this is not a command for the elite. This is not something that is just kind of reserved for a particular group of people. It's like, okay, well, the command is you're supposed to teach other people about who Jesus is and how to follow him. And there's a part of you, it's fine. It's fine that you think this. You'd be like, hmm, I'm pretty sure that's your job. Like that, and that, isn't that what you're like, bro, you're doing it right now, aren't you? Are you, are you trying to give me your job? Like, what are you doing? And I... I'm not trying to be crass, but don't we pay your salary? I mean, and so it seems weird that you would be telling us to do something that, that you're supposed to be doing. And sometimes we can think that there are certain of, of the commands that are for just professionals, for pastors, priests, teachers, leaders, and then there's regular folk commands. And this is not that. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, bro. I'm a Bible study wizard myself. And it says that only his 11 closest disciples were there. 
So maybe it was just for them. Okay, well, let me help you out here a little bit. I'm going to teach you a little fancy word today. This is a reciprocal command. What is a reciprocal command, you may mean? I'm going to date myself a lot here. In our elementary school, it's actually kind of a big deal that an elementary school in Arkansas in the late 70s had computers at all. We had these little small Commodore 16s, but all you could do is program them in basic. And the, was one of the first things that you kind of learned to do was this. Now, this, this is going to hit hard with some people, and some people are going to be like, okay, I don't even understand this. But you would go, command 100, like line 100, 100, print, Charlie is awesome. <laughs> right? Then you go 200, go to 100. So it would print Charlie is awesome and then go to the next line. It's like, oh, I'm supposed to go back to 100. Next thing you know, your whole screen is filled with Charlie is awesome. Hey, come look at this. And then we all did it and it was, it was, it was great. And so it was a loop that never, that never ended. And that's what this command is. Hey, you 11, go make disciples and teach them to do everything that I've told you to do. And so they do that. And what is the last thing that Jesus told them to do? Well, it, it, is, it is this. And, and so the people that they taught how to become disciples were then commissioned to also go make disciples who were commissioned, who were commissioned, who were commissioned. And now here we are, 2,000 years later, completely on the opposite side of the world, standing on the shoulders of generations of people who were faithful to this command to go and make disciples. As far away from this time as it is possible to be in the future, right? And about as far away geographically as you could be, about as far away culturally as we could be. And here we are, Northwest Arkansas, 2023, and it is our turn. The people who taught the people who taught the people who taught the people who taught the people, now it's us and it is our job. It's our job to now go and make sure that the world knows who Jesus is and how to follow him. And just in case there's any wavering on our part, we've got it right here at the very beginning, this thing that he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I don't know what you think about Jesus. I don't think of Jesus much as a flexor. Like like he's just kind of flexing. He's like, hey, guys, I don't know if you know this, but I'm the son of God, and guess who isn't? You. Oh, not only did I give you that food, you know who created that food? I did. And the world and you and everything because I'm the son of God. Like, he just, like, somebody starts talking back to him. He's like, like he's got a trump card, like, like, like draw four or something like that. Like, boom, I'm, but I'm, he's, he's very humble. He's very humble. Very humble. I mean, we as parents, we say things like that all the time. Don't you back talk me? I brought you. I brought you here. I do everything for you. You don't get. You don't. You don't get to say nothing back to me. Who doesn't do it? He doesn't. But he did say that here. I need you to know. No matter where you go, wherever there is authority, I have it. Now go do this thing that I said. And so it is for all of us to make disciples. And so if we look at the gospels, and this would be a great job for you to just to go say, hey, I'm just going to look through the Gospels, and see what it is that Jesus says a disciple is. What, what, what does he do? What, how, what, are, what is his character? Um, what, what does he know? Like, What are all these different things? And to put that together. But for right now, 
We're just going to limit ourselves to this definition, kind of what he says in this passage. So go make disciples, and he says two things. And the first one is this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism is a very powerful thing. It's a very powerful moment. And, and, and what it is designed to do is to show the world that you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and that you want to connect with his larger community. So we'll say it this way. You think about baptism, think about this, that, that really the first step is for us to get connected with God and his community. I want to get connected with God and his community. I want to let the world know that I, have fo- I am following Jesus Christ. And as my, as my placement, as, as, as I go through this, this act, this, this symbol of, of baptism, I am declaring to myself, to God, and to the entire room and to the entire world that I want to be a part of this community. Now, historically, here at the Grove, we've not made a huge deal out of this. And honestly, I think in part that it is to our detriment. And one of the reasons why is that there are a lot of different ideas and a lot of different denominations about what baptism is and when it is supposed to occur. occur. And I have never, we have never wanted to feel like that we are, we, are, we, are, we are fighting people who are in other denominations or if you've come here with a different perspective to feel like that we're fighting you. This is what we think it is. There's, there has been too much of that recently and honestly, historically, for the last several hundred years. And we've wanted to kind of pull back from that. But I think to our detriment, we have de-emphasized the power and the beauty of this symbol of saying, I, I, was, I, was, I was dirty in my sins and I've been cleaned by God. Or the way that Paul describes it, buried with Christ in baptism, I was dead in my sins. I mean, there's a lot of symbolism here because if you look at it from a distance, it looks like I'm trying to drown somebody, right? You got him, you're taking him all the way under, laying down like this. Here's a little behind the scenes, Right? You get somebody 90, 95% of the way. You get them to right here. They will fight you every time. Because there's something scary about it. It's like you think, oh, I'm just here getting baptized. Next thing I know, this dude is about to put me under the water. And you get them to right here, and like they start to, they start to panic. So now you've got two choices. I'm either only going to 95% baptize them, or, bro, I'm just going for it. Now, if I know you, it's going to be just fine. I'm going to have you right here. And I, and I know what's coming. Like, Buried to Christ in baptism. <laughs> We're doing it. Because there's, there, there is, there's some fear because there is, there's this death metaphor to it. In that moment, you kind of feel it. But it is also a public declaration to the bodies, like, I want to be a part of this. And so that is all of our first steps. Our first step is this decision that we make to say that I want to be a follower of Jesus and I want to connect to his body, to his community. I want to do that. And and so the first thing that he says is is he commands the symbol of that, that we need to do this as a marker, as a point in time where we say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ and a part of his community. And so we want to kind of bring this out more and just kind of the beauty and the power of this. And he continues on and he says, you want to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I love this phrase, teaching them to obey. It's an incredible turn of phrase. It's an incredible, it's incredible verbiage. 
which, you know, no surprise. I mean, it's Jesus, and he is incredible with words and concepts and just kind of helping us understand. Because I think there are some, there's some things that we fall into. We say, hey, I want to be a really good follower of Jesus Christ, and so what I need to do, I, there's things, I, I need to learn things. It's about, it's about study and knowledge. Or other people may say, no, man, it's about, just, it's about, it's about doing the right things. It's about, it's about being a good person. And Jesus kind of takes both of those two things together and then deepens them both at the same time by saying, I want you to teach people how to obey me. And so not if, if I'm going to do that, if, you, if, if that's what a disciple looks like is someone who has been taught to obey all of Jesus' commands, not only I don't simply need to know what they are. I need to know how to do them and then ultimately do them. And so we'll say it this way, that being a disciple means that I know what God says and I do what God says. And that may sound really simple, and it, and it is. Not everything that's simple is easy, but it is fairly simple. This is the journey that God has called us all to go on, to be someone, to be a disciple, to be someone who knows. I, I know, I know what it is that Jesus has taught. I am learning how to do it, and I'm trying to do it. That is what a disciple is, being on this process of I want, to, I want to understand more what God wants from me. I want to understand better how to do it, and then I want to be doing it. And when we put this together, and, and I'm living, I'm, I'm, I'm a part of the body, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and I'm learning and I'm growing, this is what it means to be a disciple. And so when we think about this command here in Matthew chapter 28, I need to be asking, I need to be sure, what does it mean for, for me to be a disciple? And am I willing to also then take the step to say that I want God to use me to make disciples? Now, depending on who you are, how old you are, um, how long you've been following Christ, how new you are to the church, your own self-perception, you're going to have a lot of different feelings about this that, hey, you need to be a disciple of Jesus and you need to be out there making disciples. You can feel a little bit overwhelmed by it. You may feel like that there is a huge gap between where you are and where you should be. And it can be so overwhelming that you feel like, I don't even know, I don't even, I, would, I don't even know where to begin with all of this. Like it's just taking a lot for me. It's a big step for me just to even to be a regular attender of church. It is, it is a lot for me to just, just, I'm just, I'm just trying to be good. I'm just trying to be a, a better person. And, and, and this level of challenge to not only to be a disciple, but to be someone who can teach others the same, it can feel overwhelming. So what I want to do for a few minutes is just kind of, I want to simplify it a little. I want to kind of break it down into what I think are some really good next steps for a lot of us. And a little bit, a little bit, some of this is going to feel like a church commercial. Like I'm, adver like I'm doing an adver advertisement here for the Grove Church, which I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to do that. And it is a good thing if, in fact, this is what the Grove is doing. If we as a church, if we're trying to do this and we want you to do it, then you should be doing what we're doing. We should be kind of joining us in this. It's more than that, but I kind of I mean, just want you to recognize a little bit for a second. Have a little church commercial. Because honestly, I think the first step for a lot of us 
is to say that I'm going to be fully engaged with my church, fully in, full engagement, full engagement at my church. I mean, right now, it's like, man, if, if I'm going to be a disciple, I need to be taught how to obey God's commandments. I mean, I think that's what, that's what we're trying to do right now. And so you just being here is a good, you, you, good job. You took, you took a step today. You took a step into a place where you could learn more how to obey his commandments. You, we did it. And not only is it happening here, it's happening all over the building right now. It's happening in classrooms all here with our littles. And right over there, uh, upstairs, it's happening with our, with our Roots teenagers. All over the building right now, people of all ages are being taught how to follow the commands of Jesus. So your presence here, it helps. And not only that, this is probably the most likely place that you're going to be where you're going to worship and kind of vocally and demonstratively kind of declare your love for God. It is your best place to connect with other people, to be encouraged by his community. And so we have these six things there that we have on the wall out there that we have in our connections class about kind of what full engagement looks like. I want to connect. I want to, I want to give. I'm going to take the resources, the financial resources that God has given me, and I want to not only fund what God is doing here, but I know that our church funds a lot of different missions out there in the world, people all over the world doing awesome things, missions agencies here, in Northwest Arkansas that are empowering people to do incredible things all over the world. Groups that are reaching college students, groups that are reaching the poor, groups that are reaching people who are experiencing homelessness and and, and working on all of these things, groups that are encouraging people to be involved in foster care. Your financial resources empower all of that. Your service here does the same thing. You know, when you come here, and you serve even in what might some might see the, the, the simplest capacity. I greeted on the front door today. I made coffee today. I worked in the sound booth today, and my ability to do that allowed countless numbers of people all over this building to be able to learn how to follow Jesus' commands. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be a stage person. You don't have to have a microphone on your ear to be used by God to help in this moment that we have together every week to be able to help people become disciples and help people make disciples. So your full engagement here is an incredible start because it is your presence here. Your presence here multiplies our ability to be able to do that for more and more people. But it's more than that. It's more than that. Because if you are going to get the specific help and encouragement that you need to learn how to obey Jesus' commands, like all I can do is kind of talk generally about what we need to do, but then there's some individual things that are going on with you that we're not talking about because I don't know them. And because there are so many of us, it it would be impossible to do that. And so we need to be making the church smaller, And what I mean by that is I've got a more targeted group of people that I'm spending time with that know me better where I can learn even more what what I need to be able to grow and what I need in order to learn how to obey and follow Jesus better. 
and then find a group of people then that I can also do the same for. So Mark talked about this last week. I'm going to hype it again. It is important to find a small group, a group of people that know you well, that can encourage you, that can challenge you, that know you well enough to know the struggles you need and the obstacles and encouragement you need to get to from where you are to where you need to be. And the more you kind of get connected and the church becomes smaller for you, you're going to find opportunities that we have for even more intense sorts of Bible studies called discipleship groups that are really incredibly a lot more focused on learning about the Bible and what does it really mean to be a disciple. So we start here at this broad way, this, this, this kind of in this broadest way, and the church becomes smaller, and then ultimately I'm finding people and processes and groups that can really help me become a disciple. But again, it's more than that. It's about then you, you doing the same thing. And so ultimately, you need to find your place. You've got a place where you can help make disciples. We've been here for 13 years when our kids were not 25, 22, and 11, um, but were um, 12, 9, and an idea. And um, countless numbers of you have directly and indirectly discipled my kids to help them understand and learn what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to learn how to obey His commands. From, from Grove Kids to our youth group to small groups to your friendship to your presence to your kindness. There've been, you have been used in powerful ways in my family's life. And when you find a way that you can serve where you can, you can make a difference, now you're helping to make disciples. And we're starting a series. This is the most commercially thing that we're going to do here. We've got a series that's starting next week that I'm 99.9% sure the, the, the name of the series is uh, Let's Do Something. Um, not, not complicated. Not trying, to, not trying to make things. God has wired you. He's, he's designed you through your gifts, through your personality, through the experiences that you have, through the where specifics of where he has currently placed you. You put all of these things together and God has uniquely designed and prepared you to do something incredible for him. Here with a group of people, you're gonna, you, 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 you'll, you'll, you, you, suddenly you're here and you learn more about this awesome trip that we had to Cuba where um, we got to bring fresh water and the gospel of Jesus to people who desperately need it. And you're going to hear about that. And the more you hear about it, you think, hey, we're doing that next year, man. I'm going, I'm doing, I'm going, I'm in. You hear more about some of the ministries that we support that are helping encourage and strengthen people who are experiencing poverty or experiencing homelessness to, to be able to get out of that. I think, I think that's what, I think that's what I want to do. You hear more about foster care. I think, I think I want to do that. You hear more about our kids. You hear more about our youth group. You hear more about the small groups we lead, and you think, I, I think this is, this, is where, this is where God wants me. This is how God wants to use me. But these steps, we've got, we got to take steps. We can't, we can't just sit, we can't, you can't just stand still and wait for something to happen. It is going to require us to take another step of engagement to do and be who God has called us to be.
And so we really were kind of left with this question. We talk about this, and I know that you know it's in the Bible. I know that you know that it's what God wanted his, Jesus wanted his disciples to do. And you, maybe you can agree that this is what the church needs to be doing. Love God, love people, make disciples. Do you believe this is your mission? Not our mission, not the mission, your mission. This is what God has called you to do. To grow and become a disciple. And then to be used by God to make disciples. And again, it can feel overwhelming. And I'm sure they were completely overwhelmed too. These 11 guys who had probably never, never been more than 30, 40 miles further away from anywhere that they, I mean, from where they were born and raised. They followed Jesus a lot, but not very far. Go to the whole world and make disciples. I'm sure they were completely and totally overwhelmed, which is why he ends with this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. You are not alone. You are not on your own. Even if he is physically not, even I'm not, guys, I'm not going to physically be here anymore. Know this, that I will always be with you. To the very end of the age, which I love the way he added that because those guys were only going to be around for a few more years. They didn't need him for the end of the age. They just needed him for the next 20, 30 years. That end of the age, that's for you. That Jesus will be with you. No matter when you read this, Jesus will be with you. And I've had, again, tears in my eyes, tears in my girl's eyes, some, some hard conversations, some, some, some very sad kind of anxiety-inducing conversations where they're imagining all the things that could go wrong on their own. And what if this happens? And what if this happens? And what if this happens? And, I, and, I've, and, I've, and I've held them by the hand. And I've said, you need to understand. There's always a place for you in our house. You always have a bed here. You always have a home here if you need it. You will always find love and support here. And when you need help, you can always ask. And I look at him and say, but I believe in you. I know that you're going to do this and you're going to be great. But anytime you need me, I am always with you. And Jesus has given us a big job. It is, it is big here in this room. It is big in our community. And it is overwhelming when we get to the world. But he is, he is, he is with us. He is with us in this, in this mission that he has given us. And the question for us is, will I take the steps that I need to be on this mission with him? Let me pray. God, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for this opportunity to just remember and refocus, God, on what it is you have called us to do. That in our core, our value, everything that we are, we're to love you and love each other well. And God, you have given us this mission. And God, I pray that as a church, this would be what we do. 
that we would love you, worship you, that we would love people well, and we would challenge one another to continue to grow, to learn, to teach how to obey and to follow everything that you've given to us. But God, more and deeper than that, that it would not be just our church's mission, but it would be each one of us. It would be our mission. It would be my mission. And so God, I pray that we would have the courage to take whatever that next step is. And as always, we are so thankful for your son who gave us this commandment and that through his death and resurrection on the cross makes this connection and joining you in this mission makes it even possible. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us on our sermon podcast. And you can learn more about us at thegrovechurch.org. And if you go to thegrovechurch.org slash connect, there's a form you could fill out. Just let us know that you've been listening. And if you want to dig deeper on some of these topics that we cover in our sermon podcast or just in other issues of dealing with culture or theology, those kinds of things, uh, you can check out our Cultivate podcast, which is on the same feed, um, however you found this particular podcast. So again, this is Charlie, the lead pastor at The Grove, and thank you so much for joining us.